2: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
3: Glad you're with us Friday afternoon. Congrats. Weekend nearly here. It's almost here. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, our home studios. We are back. In Music City, back from New York, back from Indianapolis. Paul, your coverage at the Combine was excellent. Uh, Brabel was really good. Uh, so was Arthur Smith. And then all of the analysts and, and special guests in between were great. And all of those are on the YouTube page. Outkick staff behind the scenes, great all week. And uh, all their hard work and effort you can see on the YouTube channel, there's uh, Jacob and many others. Uh Behind the scenes for us, it was uh, fun,
2: but I was a little bit lonely.
3: Oh, because Corey didn't hang in with you?
2: No, I mean Corey and I had a good time, but it's not oh, the you're, same without you guys.
3: Oh, well, you had Kirby.
2: I did get some time <laughs> with, with Kirby.
3: That is uh, another uh, one of Paul's interviews you can go and uh, check out. On uh, just subscribe yeah, to the YouTube channel. I have to
2: YouTube revisit channel. that. I, I'm texting Kirby. We said 1:15. Uh, oh, I it was thought great. we were talking Eastern, yeah. but he was talking Central. But then he's telling me 11 o'clock. <laughs> and it's it's one thirty, and he's telling me eleven o'clock. And I'm like, dude, it's one fifteen. He was talking to his wife. Oh yeah, he
3: else. he said he was frantic and accidentally did oh, it hit a double number.
2: Um, Ridiculous.
3: The Athletic went around and asked draft prospects at the combine anonymously, um, what current non-quarterback would you choose to build an NFL team around, and. Offensive players received 30 of the 49 votes on this one day where they went around the room. And I I don't think it's a big surprise. The non-quarterback that players chose is Aaron Donald. Um, He's the most dominant non-quarterback in the NFL, and some would argue he's the best overall talent and player in the National Football League. Uh, Nonetheless, he received the most votes. Who do you think got the second most or third most? I think this is very telling. And, and the reason I, I, I wanted to bring this up, Paul, I remember uh, years ago walking around the Titans locker room and uh, Titans Radio did a feature. We had Bullock and, and, and he was kind of going around asking some guys a similar question, but it was about the quarterback. And it was, the question was, other than, you know, Bench Young or the whoever was, was the quarterback at the time, other than your teammates, which quarterback would you prefer to have on your team and play with or, or play for, or whatever it might be, offense, defense? And I mean, it was a landslide. It was 85, 90% Michael Vick. And I, I, you know, this is Manning, Brady, Breeze. You've got all of this talent at the quarterback. It was the quarterback era,
2: Hall of Fame, guys.
3: And, all of the players wanted to play with Michael Vick. All of them. And I found that intriguing based on the way these prospects coming into the league at the NFL Combine have answered this. Now, again, Aaron Donald, I think that's a logical answer. Uh, who's, you know, potentially the best at his position when it's all said and done. Um, still a ways to go based on what you said in the Fox News rundown, I know. Uh, but number two. Was Jamar Chase, wide out from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, and one year into the league. And Jamar Chase was the second most named player among these prospects. Number three was Titans running back Derrick Henry. So this, to me, is them playing Madden.
2: Yeah. I think Madden has a super big influence on it, and they want – um That Chase is there is uh, a dynamic player who, and we talked about this uh, on a marketing front, and this is a bit of a marketing quiz. Yeah. Marketing test. How much did that Super Bowl mean? Top of mind. But they didn't mention Cooper Cup. Yeah. Played in
3: the same game. Well,
2: they took Aaron Donald from from the Rams, right? So. It's no mistake that the top two guys were from out of the Super Bowl. And then third guy has been on the cover of Madden, right? Yep. yep. And uh,
3: the most dominant player at his position when he's healthy.
2: But is a bad choice to build a team around. Yeah. Uh, because you don't build a team around a, a running back. And they know that. Michael, you go back to Michael Vick. Dynamic. More dynamic than Peyton Manning and more dynamic than – Drew Brees and more dynamic than Tom Brady, yep. but not the right guy to choose to build the team around.
3: Yep, and I think they they they're answering it based on like, okay, who's like the, you know, the superstar player that wows wows me, right? Like that right. that that's how the they wow were answering the factor yes.
2: more than the lead me to a Super Bowl factor.
3: I I tend to think that's what they were or how they were answering it, but. Again, they're not they're not naming some of the players that had some dominant seasons, right?
2: I've always tended to underrank the Madden factor. You brought this up; we talked about it a little bit before the show. So here at the at the radio area of the combine, where I was twenty four hours ago, packing up to leave, um, you know, there's been a, a space there hut where they had a little bit of a fan fest uh, atmosphere where you could see the Lombardi Trophy say or whatever. That area was empty, but up against the wall opposite that there was a Madden trailer and guys, it didn't seem like it was heavily scheduled. Like there weren't guys going in groups there or anything, anything just periodically a guy would go, you'd see somebody walk in there. I'd see it more like when the guy with his shirt off was in the doorway. So
3: waiting and no, is, doing th- his thing. Oh, so he's oh, in there with his shirt off
2: getting his measurements or whatever.
3: And this is for the Madden video game at the, well, the NFL Madden combo
2: video game. And I, th- I was thinking that's got to be a pretty cool moment for a guy or whatever. And I wanted I kept, kept meaning to go over there and kind of peer in, maybe sneak a picture when a guy was in there, but I wasn't doing that. But right at, at this time yesterday, when I was packing up and leaving a guy was walking out of there, uh, obviously a skill position player. Um, and he was starting to get on his phone to text, but I kind of took his attention, and I was walking stride for stride with him out of there. I had no idea who he was; could have been a big time player, could have been a nobody, but I, nobody I recognized just by his face. And I said, uh, "That's got to be kind of cool what goes on in there." And he said, "You know, you uh, it's just just takes a couple minutes." And I said, "Do take your shirt off? They kind of measure you and stuff." And he said, Yeah, some pictures and stuff." And um, I said, uh, "Do they?" Um, you, you try to pump up your your rating?
3: <laughs> and that's a big deal to these guys. they get that uh, first rating.
2: I said, I take it your skill position guy, right? And it kind of, you know, strained my neck to kind of look because their, their numbers have the position, you know, two-letter position and the number. And so I, I looked, and he kind of turned sideways. I could see he was cornerback, cornerback, whatever number. I saw he was a cornerback, and I said, skill position guy, right? And he showed me, and he said, he said, I told him I didn't care about anything on there except speed. <laughs> and I said, well, that makes perfect sense, man. I can't imagine there's a skill position guy that goes in there that doesn't want to be as fast as he can on there. And he kind of laughed and nodded. And I said, well, I hope they give you a great rating on there. And he said, this is unbelievable. That I'm going to be in Madden. And I said, I, I yeah, imagine that's, that's cool. one, one of a billion cool things that's going to happen to you. Good luck. And I'm also, walking mean, together.
3: um, i Madden's massive, I get that. But it, can't you also make a player profile based on height, weight, speed? Like They're getting this measurement anyway at the Combine, right?
2: I you think it's pix- have, pictures. Did you have
3: to have the other aspect of it on your own? For of them? The, uh, yeah, I'm saying the players already have their photos made, right? Like, uh, How many times have we seen the Brady photograph?
2: I don't know what they're getting you in know, there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: It seems like overkill.
2: They need some kind of extra... Uh, There's some, yeah, specific, they're doing something yeah. specific thing there.
3: And maybe they're, ac- they're yeah. actually discussing like um, the profile and the,
2: but I bet you, like if rating. you asked guys there, what's the most, uh, and I, I'm about to head into the NFL moment for a lot of them. You know, I'm sure some of them would say I, I was talking to Sean McVay or yeah. my position coach is an NFL guy. I knew, or, you know, small school guy could say, I was, I was with the Alabama guys and the Georgia guys who played in the national championship. I bet you a lot of them would have said, I, I, I talked to them. I agree. I came to the realization that I'm about to be in Matt.
3: Uh, Buster Olney has tweeted out a, an update on the CBA negotiations for Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Progress. He says, hearing from sources on both sides of the CBA talks that they are hopeful – that a renewed discussion of the 14-team playoff field could be a potential breakthrough for talks that need a breakthrough.
2: So, I don't know how much you guys got into this in a conversation I may not have been a part of earlier this week. Philadelphia Phillies last year would have been in a 14-team playoff. They were bad. I mean, they were bad. Their record was right around 500, maybe two games over 500. I'll barely barely over five hundred. Not a good baseball team. Not a team that was playoff worthy. A twelve team a 12 team playoff would have had a much more reasonable cutoff. Eighty two and eighty. Okay. Eighty two and eighty over a hundred sixty. Six and a half games, games back
3: in. from the Braves in the East when the season ended.
2: All right. I don't know who was twelfth, but who was twelfth was a much better cut. Twelve is too many for me, frankly. But the difference between fourteen and twelve mm-hmm. is substantial. If that's what's going to save baseball, go ahead. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm talking to people who mostly are all in favor of playoffs. It seems to me, all, all we want is playoffs. Well, I, I, think, I, I think that they should. Some sports should just be all playoffs. And I have think no like, regular season.
3: If you're just on, if you're still on the fence with, uh, you know, I could take it or leave it on a random May. Friday evening, you know, with the game on or whatever. For me, I'm cranking up my, you know, viewing habits of Major League Baseball when the playoffs start. And if I'm the league, I'm thinking, how do I drive more revenue and added content? The only way to do it and get people and eyeballs on it and to get networks bidding on your product on a national landscape is to add extra playoffs. What's the
2: structure, though? Are we talking about some of these one game playoffs? Are we having five game series? Because they're not.
3: Base, I agree. You know what I mean? A yeah. one-game
2: playoff is, yeah, It it, it is good for the death. kind of person you're talking about. That's what it is. I'm going to turn this on and watch yeah. a one-game playoff because it's going to be. But it doesn't serve the actual game because baseball isn't. At, you would never have a one-game NBA playoff, would you? You're having a play-in game now, I guess, or a there, play-in there's series. A play,
3: there's a play-in game, and that's essentially what this is. You know, is already
2: how's that being received in the NBA? Because it's crap for that also. Yeah, because a one game between NBA well, now, teams so if, doesn't tell you anything about who the better but team.
3: I, is. I think they're in the same boat because they're you know Adam Silver's discussing this in season tournament that's going to have some bearing on you know win it and then you it's going to do something for seating. you in the yeah help gives your you seating or it gives you or home something. court advantage or something. Um, you know, they're in the same boat because they're trying to create television content that would drive further negotiations or have other networks like TNT and ESPN that are partnered with them, Turner and, and Disney, um, you're, you're looking for something that's going to get more eyeballs than what you have. I don't know why And the Christmas day games to me are, they, they, they've lost that shine and that luster. I'm, I'm not, I mean, growing up, I, the, the triple header NBA, to me, that was the unofficial tip off of the season. Right. Um, you're a, what a month and a half in at that point, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. But that was the triple header where you actually got it. Football was ending, Christmas is around, you know, bowl season and NBA, and and now it's just kind of like yeah, I, you're not missing anything.
2: Look, I'm not a big proponent of this, but um, there was a strike season once upon a time where they kind of had. Uh, didn't they read? You'll remember this. Didn't they have like the the winners of the first half? got something and then the winners of the second half uh and you could you could win a playoff spot or something with what you did in the first half
3: That's kind of what NASCAR's doing right with these these quarter pole uh they they stall the right or you go to your pits or whatever after the
2: the tiers or maybe that's they what they were going to do in the year they ended up with no world series I don't I don't
1: re- I don't remember I remember there being talks about a Stages. system a system to get to, again, get to a playoff on a a shortened season. I do remember that. I don't ever remember if it went into effect See,
2: I'd like this better. Create a a pennant race for the first half of July 4th where you could accomplish something there and then another pennant race. But this thing where it's all about playoffs, 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 I, I don't know. Maybe it's too artificial what I'm talking about. And then what do you do if you clinch a playoff spot With something you do in the first half, then what's the second half mean to you? I don't don't know. But I want baseball to find some way to increase the value of the regular season instead of decrease the value of the regular season because I think that's what it has. And it's not a bad thing to have a good library, a good content, a good stock of regular season games. That's their value. So, how do you make those more valuable instead of less valuable?
1: I think the only reason, the only way to make them more valuable is to make less of them. And they're not going to make less of them because they are too valuable when it comes to the paychecks. Well, to go to hard.
2: 154 is not a big deal at all. I mean, they're showing you how willing they are to get rid of some right now. Well, correct at me least go wrong. to 154. We're talking about what, eight games? Well, correct me if I'm wrong.
3: The, 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 as it's structured right now, and the that's owners, going back to what you used to have. The league gets a big chunk of the postseason revenue right, the television rights and all that. Yeah. Um, So that's, I mean, that's why you want to create, if you're getting a lot more in the postseason than what what you're sharing with the players in the regular
2: season. I can't imagine the players would object that much to a decrease of 8 or 10 or 12 regular season games. Especially if you said, look, we'll start a little bit later, but also we'll give you a few more days off. Baseball players would kill for a few more days.
1: Later. And now baseball also could benefit from a later start.
2: Absolutely. It's yes. too cold.
1: Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's too cold. Games in Cleveland where it's snowing, no.
2: Unnecessary.
3: Although, here in Nashville, you could start on March the 4th. It feels great today uh, in, in the middle of the Play sea area. Hopefully, that's the way across the Mid-South. Um, coming up, Brent Hubs, ballquest.com. Uh, he will join us, and we will get into the very latest out of Knoxville. There is a lot of news uh, in recruiting and a big SEC matchup uh, as we pivot and head to the SEC tournament in Tampa next week, a game to be played between Tennessee and Arkansas. We'll preview that matchup and much more with Brent coming up. 30-1 to 1 enhanced odds for either Jorge Masvidal or Colby Covington to win their fight during UFC 272 coming up tomorrow night. Uh, in, in the UFC out in Vegas, Covington a, a large favorite, minus three forty. Here's incredible value. You get him at plus three thousand. UFC odds boost thirty to one. You bet five dollars to win one fifty on either fighter to win the match. Covington and Masvidal. New users only. Now you can jump on there. Fanduel.com/ok360. Fanduel.com/ok360. Uh, you jump in. First time users, you can bet five dollars to win one hundred and fifty. Cash money is how it pays, and not in-site credit, which is great. Um, You simply sign up for the first time and then opt in for this offer. Covington and Masvidal, bet five to win one hundred and fifty. Go to fandle.com slash OK360.
1: We are live. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
3: It's 6th and Peabody, and it's where Lady Vols fans have gathered. It's a huge pep rally. And party going on outside as fans head to Bridgestone Arena, literally a block away from where our studios are on a daily basis. The SEC Women's Tournament in town. Of course, the Men's Tournament tips off next week in Tampa. And Tennessee and the Vols will tip off tomorrow, 11 a.m. Central, uh, noon Eastern, against the Arkansas Razorbacks and what's going to be a really fun and competitive college basketball game brent hubs of allquest.com joins us each and every week and i always love having him on outkick 360
0: brent hope you're doing well i am i'm doing well hope you guys are doing well today should yeah, be a right. fun weekend of basketball lots going on on campus for sure what what is the true
3: march ceiling for this tennessee basketball team uh, what, what's your best ass, uh, assessment as march is here and we're about to get into tournament season
0: Well, I I know Rick Barnes was was quoted in the the SEC all-access deal about this is a a championship-caliber team, and uh, they can play deep into March. I don't think there's any doubt. I think a lot of that just depends on how your bracket opens up, uh, how how things go. I mean, this is certainly a team that I think they'll be disappointed if they're not playing uh, the second weekend of the season. And and once you get to that Sweet 16 level, uh, it's about being hot at the right time, and and it's about – um, you know, the, the bracket falling your way. There have been lots of times when you look at the Final Four, you, you don't say that's the best four teams in the country from a talent standpoint. They played the best to, to get there, you know, in two straight weekends. And maybe some things fell their way in the bracket. You go back to the year Kyle Alexander suffered the, the hip injury, and couldn't play, and Loyola Chicago goes and, and makes that deep run. That bracket opened up beautifully for Tennessee. Uh, they just were not able to capitalize on it. So sometimes it's how the bracket helps you. Uh, but but this is a, a certainly a team that because of their defense, they can make a run, that they've got to shoot the ball consistently. I, I think that's been a bugaboo for them. Can they get hot shooting the basketball at the right time for a couple of weekends here?
3: Reflect on, uh, Brent Hubbs with us, reflect on the fact that Tennessee with a win can, can end the regular season unbeaten at home and you know it stretches during this season where you you know you're kind of watching the Vols and you're like well what what type of team does Rick Barnes have he was certainly uh very open and honest and direct about his team earlier in the year what do you what, what's what's the impact of going unbeaten at home at, at TBA
0: well i think it's two things one it, it, it's a credit to the fan base and, and it's a credit to the administration at Tennessee and Rick Barnes for for creating a home environment that has that worked. And that there's a lot of things that go involved in that, right? I mean, you, you gotta have a team that that fans root for, a team that plays hard that that the fans can get behind. Um you've got to have a fan base that um is uh is into it, that they like the brand of basketball you're playing, your administration has to let that fan base breathe a little bit, quite frankly. I, I mentioned this on our Uh, On our message board a few weeks ago, I mean, there were times in the 90s when I was a a student or even a young reporter there. I can remember administrators tearing, you know, grabbing signs and tearing them up. The students weren't allowed to have this and that. And it really limited and created a bit of a stale atmosphere there that they've let them go. Uh, They're they're on the edge of being a a little bit too rowdy, but but I think it's good. Same things happen in baseball. Uh, They've created some environments with the light show and some different things like that. So it it all goes hand in hand, and and I think it says a lot about what Rick Barnes and his program have created uh, with this fan base, and 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 the fact that these fans feel like they know this team. uh, If they can pull that off, it's another sellout tomorrow. Should be a great crowd. Should be a rocking atmosphere. It uh, should be what college uh, college basketball is supposed to be about at the end of the regular season, for sure. Well,
3: and a great example of that support off the court is with Ziegler and and, and the support that we saw financially. Right. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, Brent.
0: Well, I mean, listen, Zekai Ziegler's story is an incredible story, and it's been documented and told uh, on every TV broadcast. Mike Wilson from the News Sentinel wrote a story about it. We had a chance to visit with him uh, in a podcast on, on VolQuest a month or so ago. Uh, his journey to this point is is unbelievable and it's incredible. And, uh, he's a guy who plays hard. He loves being at Tennessee. The fan base has resonated to him. Uh, and, and obviously, Tennessee fans, listen, I, I know there's Twitter fights. I know they're, they go after national media people and they get into all these brujas and everything else. But at the end of the day, Tennessee fans are going to defend other Tennessee fans and they're going to defend their own and they're going to take care of their own. And they certainly led the way with that GoFundMe for, for Zakai Ziegler. And a hats off to some other fan bases in this conference who have heard his story and people around the country who have heard his story and, and reached out and made a donation as well. That, that's, you know, in a world where we don't see a lot of good, it's nice to see some good for sure. And that was certainly the case in a short period of time.
2: Take us back to why the SEC thought Tampa was a good place to have a basketball tournament for the SEC.
0: I don't know. I, I wish I had a good answer for you there. I, I don't. I mean, is that supposed to attract fans because it's warmer weather? I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think it's hard to get to for a lot of your fan bases, other than Florida. I, I think it's a challenge. Um, I, I think that thing should be in Nashville. That thing should be in Atlanta. Uh, you know you can even play at Birmingham I mean make it convenient for your fans to get there uh, that's the one thing I would, you know the ACC for years kept that thing in North Carolina when, when all those teams were right around that hub there and uh, I, I don't you know I don't get it I, I don't know I, I know sometimes those venues are hard to get locked up for that length of period of time and there are other things going on but I just don't feel the need uh, for rotating that thing that the way that they have I, I don't I don't get the point in it because I just don't think your crowds are going to be terrific in Tampa, which is a shame because I think this may be the most competitive SEC basketball tournament yeah. we've seen in a long time. And if you put that thing in um, in Bridgestone, you know, next week, and, and you know, you got hockey conflicts, you got a lot going on, but if you can get that into a little bit of a quainter gym. It can really be loud. It can really be rocking because I, I think the top four teams in this league uh, can slug it out with each other like crazy, and uh, I think it's going to be a wild next weekend for sure.
3: Paul's been at the NFL Combine. The Vols sent a couple, or a handful of players there. Brent and uh, plenty are making an impact.
2: Cade Mays, for starters, I thought uh, in his conversation with the media just emphasized over and over. His sales pitch to everybody is, I can play all five positions I have. I will for you. Put me wherever you want, and I'll work work one each day of the week. That's just a smart approach, I think.
0: Well, I think when you look at it, and Paul, you know the NFL much better than I, but you've got a 53-man roster, but I think you dress 49 or 48 48 on a Sunday. is where you're at. And so if you're an offensive lineman and you're, a, you're an NFL team trying to figure out who all to dress, and you've got limited number of linemen, limited number of positions, if I can look at a guy and say, hey, he could be my backup, right guard, left guard, right tackle, even, even a center if I need him to be, he could play any of those spots for me, then, then there's more value to him. He, he offers greater value to me, uh, particularly early in his career where he may not be locked in as a starter somewhere. But, but he could play in, in any given situation. So I, I think it's a great marketing pitch for him. I think he's trying to use the fact that he played out of position in college because I think he's a natural guard if all things are equal, but the fact that he has played in the SEC at right tackle and, and held his own fine made all-conference at, at that position it is a good sales pitch for, for him uh, to all of the NFL teams out there, and, and I'm sure he's going to ride that sales pitch all the way to draft day if he can.
2: Valus Jones ran very well. I didn't see if these ultimately were unofficial and got adjusted or not. I saw four three four, and then an improvement to four three two. Did those stick? And uh, what does that do for his stock in your eyes?
0: Well, I, I, you don't see this at the combine a lot. Normally, when those unofficials go to fi, uh, officials, they go up in number, right? Your yeah. your your four two two becomes the four two eight or four two nine. I think that's what happened with the kid from Baylor. Yeah. Uh Valis's numbers actually went down from the, from the unofficial time, yeah, to the official time, uh, which is really uh, remarkable. You don't see that a lot. You know, I, I think Valus is an interesting guy because he's kind of a slash player. Um, You know, he's a receiver inside guy. He can be a return guy and special teams. Uh, He can play the jet sweep for you. I don't know that you line him up in the backfield like San Francisco does with Debo Samuel, but, but he's a guy who's got more thickness to him, who can play a variety of different ways. And we're seeing the NFL be such a space game that his ability to run, to go with his wiggle should help him. Now, I think going into the combine, he was probably a a guy on some draft boards who who was probably in the fifth round, somewhere in there. Could he get to the third round, Paul? I I don't know. I know this. He's going to have a lot more private workouts with NFL teams based on what he did uh, at the Senior Bowl and certainly what he ran in his 40 time at the combine.
3: Why did it not ever seem to fully click together for Valus Jones at Tennessee, the total package?
0: Well, I think a couple of things. One, his first year here, he's playing with a quarterback who couldn't throw him the ball, yeah, who but, couldn't get him the ball. Yeah. Um, and, and then this past year, I think that you go look at his numbers post Florida game and it really started to take off when they moved Valis Jones to the slot and played him as a slot receiver, instead of trying to play him as an outside guy, uh, his numbers were much better and, and much improved. And he was a much better weapon. I, I said all season long and, and wrote it multiple times. If, if, if he had one foot uh, or both feet could be inside the goal line, but as long as he wasn't standing in the painted checkerboard, he was bringing every kick out for me. Absolutely. I, I, he was going to get to the 25 yard line every time, take a chance, let it see what happened. It, it drove me crazy seeing him fair catch the ball at the 10 yard line. Cause I wanted to see what he do with the ball in his hands. Cause I thought he was really good that way. Um, and, and it started to click for him certainly late in, in the back half of that season. And, Uh, You're seeing that that pay off. I thought he was really good at the Senior Bowl. I know we get caught up in the 40 times, but but I think what he did at the Senior Bowl left as much of an impression as the 40 time has been. He ran a very high mile per hour, which I think is important when you talk about a guy in pads versus a guy running a a one-time 40-yard dash. I thought he ran decent routes down there. I thought he generated some buzz there, and he certainly capitalized on that buzz with the 40 time he logged last night.
2: More on Matthew Taylor and Alant, uh, Matthew Butler and Alante Taylor uh, t- to come. What's going on at, at wide receiver, Coach? Down to two final options. Um, you see a decision coming between Georgia Tech's Kerry Dixon and Tennessee's own offensive analyst, Kelsey Pope, coming soon. How important that it comes soon? Well,
0: I mean, I think that you're going to, you won't see an official announcement until next week. I don't think anything's going to come on a news dump late this afternoon. Uh, but obviously, they're going to have some recruits in town tomorrow uh, for their junior day. There'll be some receivers in town. I would imagine Kelsey Pope's going to spend a good time, good amount of time with him. And right now, Paul, he, he would be my clubhouse leader to be the guy. I'm not saying anything's done because it's not, uh, but it certainly feels like it's kind of trending that way. Uh, an interesting story and a guy that I think Josh Heupel really likes as a coach. I think he was involved in in helping the development of Valus Jones, Cedric Tillman, along with Cody Burns, but he's short on recruiting experience and short on the power five experience from an evaluation standpoint. So if it is Kelsey Pope, there'll be a huge learning curve on the recruiting front, but there will be no learning curve on the offensive system front because he knows exactly what Josh Teupel is looking for and what he wants for his receivers and all the little nuances they have to run their offense.
3: VolQuest.com's Brent Hubbs with us, and VolQuest is going to be busy on the recruiting front. Uh, Austin uh, Price uh, put up the 10 names to know for the weekend. Brent, put in perspective for us the type of recruiting weekend that the the Vols are having.
0: Well, they're bringing in a lot of really important guys from in-state, and I think that's where it starts. When you look at what they got accomplished last year, in-state, it it was difficult and it was challenging. Uh, They were playing catch-up, certainly across the state with a lot of prospects. I don't think this year's in-state crop from a rating standpoint is is nearly as highly regarded as last year's, but it's still still good. There's still a lot of players in-state that Tennessee is very active in and, and would love to have in this class. So, it starts there with me. Caleb Herring is the best player in the state of Tennessee, in my opinion. He'll be on campus tomorrow. Christian Conyers is not in the state of Tennessee. He's actually in Bowling Green, Kentucky, just across the line. But he knows more Nashville kids than he knows high school players in the state of Kentucky. So that one is important. Uh, Nathan Robinson from Greenbrier is going to be in town. Big body guy who I think has got a big upside. Aiden Bustle's coming back in. you got the Spillman brothers from Lipscomb who are going to be in town as well. So it really starts... Uh, with the in state crop. And of course they've got the five star quarterback in it as well. A couple of defensive end prospects from down in Georgia who can get after the quarterback that that that's going to be important for, for Tennessee as well. So this is the first of a lot of weekends of recruiting for Tennessee. You want to have guys in for spring practice, but this is certainly a big opportunity to to leave an impression and to really start that that groundwork, not just for twenty threes, but there's some kids in the class of twenty-four and the class of twenty-five in town as well.
2: The quarterback whose name, unfortunately, I still can't uh, touch has.
0: We're, hey, man, we're just going to roll Nico. Okay. All it's right. a household name at this point. He's Nico.
2: All right. Well, Nico's in town and he's got a couple of high school teammates uh, also in town. That's obviously a nice way to to help a guy feel comfortable in new surroundings. Um, how realistic are they as as prospects and how much could that help the cause?
0: Well, one of his receiver buddies is in town. He's played He's played Pop Warner ball. and played with him since he was seven, and I think that that's a, a guy that is important. He values his opinion. I don't know that they're absolutely going to play together. Uh, he's actually a little bit younger than Nico is, so he doesn't have to make a decision now. The interesting thing for this weekend trip, I mean, Nico got into town last night or late yesterday afternoon, going to be here through the weekend, and he's not just here with a couple of buddies. He's here with mom, dad, grandparents, brothers, sisters. I mean, this is everybody who is of influence and making this helping make this decision uh, is in Knoxville with with, with Nico right now to take a look at Tennessee. So this is a very important weekend. I I think for Nico and his family, this is the weekend to really determine can I see myself comfortable here? Can we see their talk that they're going to move with him wherever he goes? So this is definitely going to be a family decision. That's why the entire family is here evaluating Tennessee and and Knoxville this weekend. Of course, Oregon is going to be a big factor in his recruitment. We'll see where Georgia and Alabama are because they're deep in the Arch-Manning race, so they may have some decisions to make in terms of how hard they pursue. Are they going to wait for Arch, who doesn't seem to have a timetable right now? Miami is trying to get involved with it. But it feels like the two teams with the most juice with that family right now is Oregon and Tennessee.
3: Brent, uh, you may have hit on this in a previous week, and if so, I apologize. Um, true that Heupel has spent a lot of time in Williamson County uh, getting to know coaches and making sure that they're, you know, firmly planted in that area for future classes, thinking that it's going to be an, a nice pool of in-state talent?
0: Well, I, I think not just Josh Heupel, but I think Alex Golish, I, I think Mike Eckler, west of Nashville, uh, have really made, it, made Nashville in, in the mid-state – um a, a priority in terms of getting to know people and developing relationships here you know it's funny when, when all these coaches they all listen to their agents and, and they don't really do a whole lot of research into the job that they're taking they're, they they want to know what the buyouts going to be if i get fired <laughs> how long my contract is um and, and you know what's my assistant coach's pool and and those things are important i know but in terms of getting the layout of the land, they don't always do that research. And in Josh Heupel's case, he didn't really have time because it was such a short deal, uh, you know, quick turnaround for him to get a job. But all these previous coaches have been to Tennessee, and, and you have the conversations with them. They go, man, recruiting Tennessee's hard. And, and part of the reason recruiting Tennessee is hard is because Tennessee's broke up into different regions. It, it's not like other states because it's so long. You can get to so many other SEC schools in West Tennessee faster you can get to knoxville you have a distinct kind of mindset and and culture in east tennessee that's different than the mid-state right and and in west tennessee is different And, and really memphis is different than west tennessee if you think if you think you know jackson and paris tennessee are like memphis you're crazy so there's a lot of different dynamics in this state that you don't really find in some other states that you're trying to get a handle on. And I think that's something the staff learned this past year. And I think they're really trying to work and and develop those relationships and all those regions to help themselves um, recruit better in state because Tennessee needs to do better than signing a couple of kids in state, which is what happened to them last year. Yeah.
3: Um, How active – well, they'll they'll be active in the portal uh, right after Mm -hmm. spring – what positions do you think they'll be most aggressive with in the portal?
0: Well, I mean, they would love to to have an offensive tackle. I think an offensive tackle is a priority. That's why the, the, the Tyler Steen kid who's leaving Vanderbilt is the guy that Tennessee very much covets. Uh, he actually took an unofficial visit to Tennessee earlier this week. He may come back for an official. We'll see. Tyler doesn't do a lot of talking. His dad does a lot of talking, but I'm not sure Tyler and his dad are always – communicating the same message out there. Tyler wants to keep this thing really low key um, and and go about the process that way. But Tennessee is certainly looking for a tackle, an offensive tackle. Uh, Brew McCoy, who's transferred from Southern Cal, if Tennessee could get him, I think Tennessee would certainly make a spot and have a place for him. Uh, A linebacker, if the right one were there, they would take. A corner, if it were the right one were there, they would take that. Um, and, And I think they would certainly take a defensive end, um, you know, strong side defensive end for sure. And that's, you know, the kid from UCLA who's got Tennessee in his final four, uh, who's going to visit Tennessee later this month, I think is a big priority for Tennessee as well. So uh, you could see them go pretty heavy in the portal if the right guys were there. Uh, I don't know that they're going to take uh, a guy just to take a guy, to, you know, but yeah. but I do think that, that you know, offensive tackle is a big priority. Defensive end's a priority, and then they would certainly feel with, with a linebacker. Uh, I think an outside receiver would be a priority for Tennessee as well. The one thing about outside receiver, and I know we're up against the clock, is that may change depending on what you see out of these freshmen who enrolled at midterm. Do you feel better about Chaz Nimrod? Do you feel better about Caleb Webb as you go through spring practice and you go, you know what? If a great one wanted to come to us, great talent, we would be all about that but we don't feel like we have to take a guy just to take a guy. So some positions are like that. I don't think offensive tackle is one of those. I, I think that's as big of a transfer priority as anything for Tennessee right now.
3: There's a segment that flew by because there's a lot going on in Knoxville with the University of Tennessee. VolQuest.com has you covered uh, from the hardwood to the gridiron and uh, everything in between with all the, the great uh, things going on on the hill. It's all with VolQuest. Brent, always appreciate you, man. Have a great weekend. And hopefully the weather is as good there as it is here today.
0: It is fantastic here. We're going to enjoy the weekend. We're going to enjoy basketball. We got baseball tonight, Lady Vols tonight. And then I just looked at the 10-day forecast, and I may wear every article of clothing in my <laughs> closet uh. next Friday and Saturday because there's a chance of snow flur- flurries and a high of in the low 40s and a low almost hey, to the teens next not good. week. Welcome that's, to that's welcome good. to East Tennessee in March, boys.
3: That's it. Paul's already declared the <laughs> no. start of spring, so he he's
0: refusing no, to listen to no. that. No, Paul, that's that's inaccurate on your part. Paul, I you jumped the gun. I declared that. No. no. No, no, that's a <laughs> failure. We have got we got dogwood winter, blackberry winter, boysenberry winter. We got about three more weeks of that's you uh, over there days within that. <laughs> it's coming your way too. You no, wait and see. No. Chances we'll
3: talk are, about it
2: next Friday. three different regions, that? like you said.
0: <laughs>
3: Chances are, Brent, Brent harvests all of those crops on his farm, too, uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Brent, thank you, man.
0: All right, guys. Have a great weekend.
3: Uh, same to you. Brent Hubs, uh, VolQuest.com, the best. Uh, and Austin Price and their great staff. Uh, phenomenal work, and uh, we, we love having them on weekly here on the show. Uh, it's been a fun week, busy week jam-packed with interviews and analysis from the NFL Combine and more. We wrap up what's been a a really fun week. Look ahead to what's going to be a packed weekend uh, for college basketball. All straight ahead on Outkick 360.
2: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer
1: starts with the fall guy.
2: What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
3: Arkansas and Tennessee tomorrow, 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. Uh, You can see that game on ESPN. A couple of other good games across the weekend, but none will be as cool as Duke hosting North Carolina in what will be Coach K's final game coaching at Cameron Indoor against the Tar Heels. That's at 6 o'clock on ESPN tomorrow night.
2: Low end of the ticket price spectrum there. As of yesterday... Was about $3,400.
3: Wow. And that, that's gone down a little because earlier in the week, the lowest was like five grand.
1: The last report I saw this morning was $5,700. Oh, okay. Oh,
3: there we go. Well, I mean, Someone the, bought those and then put them back on the market.
2: market yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be an amazing thing to be at. And I yeah. don't think that those tickets are being bought by Duke people. How many did I tell you? Um, I think
3: it's what, 200? 80 or something.
2: Guys who've played for Shusevki have been Yeah, they're coming back.
3: back. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. And ESPN's going to do a great Amazing. job with their day-long coverage, college game day and uh, special shows and, and analysis. I mean, they'll, it'll be very well done. Looking forward to it. It's a very well-done week by the entire crew. Uh, making it happen across the Outkick Network from New York to Indianapolis to here in Nashville.
2: I didn't get a chance as I wrapped up there to thank the people who sat down with me um, on the small radio row uh, at the Indianapolis Convention Center. So uh, to Arthur Smith, Pete Prisco, Mike Vrabel, Sarah Walsh, uh, Dane Brugler, Kirby Kirby Allen Kirby, blocked by Twitter. Uh <laughs> Cynthia Fruland and Armando Salguero, thank you very much. You made it a very successful week as uh we uh divided and conquered. Oh so as as you.
3: did you. I, I, it was it was a a lot of fun and a lot of hard work behind the scenes. Uh but it was able to show the the scope of what we're capable of doing and what we're building to and towards which was awesome. Uh, shout out to everyone at Fox. Uh, the hospitality there is unbelievable. Cool. Um, so the next time that we roll into town, into the big city, Paul will be with us, and uh, my city. We can show him around the building, and then he can take us to, you know, butter, and we'll actually, you know, reenact. Well, Alex Chad wasn't there last night. Phone. I did. not hear. No, back she from wasn't her, there. But I sent
2: her a text. In case she was there to, to come out and say, hey, and you guys asked for her, but Yeah, she was there, there
3: briefly, but not, not by the time we got there. So yeah. um, maybe next time. Yep. Maybe next time. Uh, Paul, enjoy your play slash musical. I'm not sure which it is. You're not either. I
2: think it might be a musical, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not positive. It's supposed to be excellent. I'm very excited and looking forward to it.
3: you got some Ohio Valley uh, Conference tournaments going on this weekend, too. Um, Texas is taking on Kansas as they close out their conference slate during the regular season, um, but the triple header on ESPN: Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas, and Kansas, and North Carolina and Duke uh, on the triple header. That's well worth uh, the college hoops Saturday. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy uh, college hoops cranking up to tournament time. And join us back on Monday for Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshot.
2: I urge you, as always, do not block the box. Stay out of an intersection if you can't clear it when the light changes. And lock your locks.